0: You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Mulder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. One of the most dangerous things in this world today is an unexamined heart. You have to take the time to examine your heart and to see what is going on in your heart. Many people are praying different kinds of prayers every day. Lord, help me. Give me a car. Lord, help me. Give me a house. Lord, help me. Give me clothes. Lord, help me. Give me a new job. Lord, help me. Give me promotion. And we're praying and asking God for all these things. But these are outward things. The Bible says God is aware of the fact that you need these things. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. The most important thing about you is your heart. Do you know what's going on in your heart? People pray prayers for outward things that are very precious to them. Look after their house and their clothes, the way that they dress and everything, and that's important. Look neat. Amen? Amen. The spirit of excellence should be upon you. But that's not the most important thing about you. This outward part is camouflage. Your persona, your personality. The real you is your heart. When last did you pray, Lord, grant unto me a pure heart. Lord, grant unto me a humble heart. Lord, grant unto me a sincere heart. Grant unto me a heart that does not bear grudges. A heart that is quick to forgive. Make my words, make my heart as pure and holy as yours, Lord. When last did you pray a prayer like that? Because the Bible says those with a pure heart, they will see God. There's so many things going on in people's hearts. Your heart is the communication point. Many people are facing challenges today. Real crisis that you're staring in the eyes. And the thing that will determine how you will respond to that is your heart, not the situation around you. What is the condition of your heart? You have to take time and pay attention to the welfare of your heart. Your heart is designed for the Word of God. The thing that God values most about you is beyond human comprehension because in our hearts we are made to be like God. The Bible says, And as a man thinks in his heart... So is he. So if you're thinking defeat, if you're thinking failure, if you're thinking I'm not going to make it, if you think I wonder if things going to work out tomorrow, all those things affect the way that you will act. But if you know that God is in control of your life and you've filled your heart with the word of God, it changes everything. Amen? The best is yet to come. Turn with me in your Bibles To Proverbs 4 verse 23. Your heart is God's treasure. Your heart is your prayer room. Your heart is the communication point where God is going to communicate and talk to you. In your heart, your heart is your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's why the Bible says, keep your heart pure. Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The Passion Translation says, God, so above all God, the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So the way that you act, the way that you behave, gets decided by your heart. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, a good man, out of the good treasure in his heart. Where does that good treasure come from? Those good things, love, joy, kindness, self-control, gentleness. It comes from the heart of man. So when those things are dominating your heart, it doesn't matter what situation you are facing right now. If those things are dominating your heart, even when unrighteousness is pressing against you, you'll respond with righteousness. That's why you see the real person when they're under pressure. What comes out of their heart? You know, your heart will always reveal the true you. Just put a little bit of pressure. You know, if you take a toothpaste tube and you cover it and you write on the outside condensed milk but you come and you squeeze it, what will you taste? Toothpaste. So many of us on the outside are writing kind, friendly, successful, super lovable, adorable, Marry me today. (laughs) You're all right, that perfect husband, perfect wife. You're all right, those things on the outside. But what's really going on in the inside? The Bible says protect your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. When life gives you a bump or two, what flows out? Why am I saying this? Because right now many of you are facing difficult situations. You're facing challenges and you're asking, how should I behave? What should I do? What should my response be? What should I say? The word of God is designed to bring solutions to every challenge that you're facing. Every challenge that you are facing, Jesus Christ died for it on the cross. So when the word of God dominates your heart, doesn't matter what situation you're facing, God will take you to the other side. Remember, David had a giant shouting at him, saying, I'm going to kill you. But because the word of God dominated his heart, fear did not grip his heart. He said, No, I'm the one who's going to kill you. Because he found himself in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus, his heart being dominated by the word of God. Everybody on the battlefield saw a giant. David looked at him and said, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. You're not in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. God will be my shield. God will be my protection. God will be my exceedingly great reward. Your confession in that situation is determined by your heart. Many people worrying. Fear has been dominating your heart. About the future. It's a natural thing. Why do you think God says, don't worry about tomorrow? Are you walking with God? What did Moses say when God took him into the promised land? Many of you have promises that God has given you, but you are doubting. Will God ever do it? How do you think Noah felt after 20 years, after 40 years, after 60 years? The Bible says he continued to preach the gospel without any converts. But God said, preach, build the ark. And he took that assignment from God, said, I'm not going to fail God. The Bible says, through faith and patience, they inherit the promise. If God has given you a promise, hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise. If you are doubting, it's not God. It's our heart. Remember, when you pray, when you pray, for faith to be released, when you confess something, it needs your heart's full agreement. Remember salvation. We confess with our mouth unto salvation, but with our hearts we believe unto righteousness. What does that mean? It means I believe I'm in right standing with God. It means righteousness is not for those who confess it, those who believe it in their hearts. Do you believe that God has sanctified your heart? That He's made your heart righteous? That's what the Bible says Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The devil wants you to doubt your sonship, he wants you to doubt that you're in right standing with God. The first thing that goes through your mind when something happens you bump your car, you don't get the promotion, you suddenly feel sick in your body, you've got a headache. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? What did I do wrong? What have I done to deserve this? Is God now really going to help me? And fear grips your heart. Fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. Because fear will paralyze you, keep you back to act. And in every situation where God has given you a promise, when something happens, the enemy wants you to doubt your sonship wants you to doubt that God is faithful. But when you are born again, your heart will cry, Abba, Father. Lord, you're in control of my life. You know, even as a pastor, I sometimes have negative thoughts. Is that a surprise? I also have negative thoughts. But I train my heart to replace the negative thoughts with the word of God. When the enemy says you're going to go under, say no. The word of God says I'm going to go over. The enemy says, You're going to be the tail. You say, No, God says, I'm going to be the head. What are you believing in your heart? Turn with me to Psalm 19, verse 14. When everything is coming against you, your heart determines what you will say, not the situation, not the circumstances. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when the king said, I'm going to make the fiery furnace even hotter. I said, you can do that. Our God will deliver us. And whether our God delivers us or not, he's still our deliverer. We're not going to change our confession. Because in their hearts they were convinced that God is their deliverer. Psalm 19 verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. My strength and my Redeemer, The Passion Translation says, So may the words of my mouth, my meditation thoughts, and every moment of my heart be always pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes, my only Redeemer, my protector, my God. When you take the word of God and you read it and you take it to heart, not just reading it, you take it to heart. When you allow the Word of God to become an integral part of your life, by its very nature, it will change you. But the thing is, most people read the Word, they can quote Scripture, but you have to meditate upon the Word of God. So whatever situation you are facing right now, find a Scripture and start to meditate upon it so that you can receive revelation. Remember, What's happening in a situation? Let's say you're facing a real crisis. The enemy will bring negative thoughts towards you and say you're not going to make it. But if your heart is filled with positive things about the word of God, you'll say, I'm going to make it. Not just say it, but you'll believe it so that you can face that challenge. So that you can actually go into the lion's den and know God is with you. So that you can be an Esther that appears before the king and know, you know what, this is dangerous. But I'm not here alone. God is with me. The king is going to lift his golden scepter and say, what do you want? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that the situation won't be life-threatening. It is God is with you. But what do you believe in that moment? Remember, when God has given you a promise, you're either going to say, yes, God is going to do it, Or you're going to say, no, he's not going to do it. What does that mean? In that moment, you are either rejecting the word of God or you're accepting the word of God. You're very quiet now. Do you know you can be quiet and still reject the word of God? Barabbas was a murderer, was a killer, was a destroyer, was a thief. He represented killing, stealing, and destroying. And when the decree was made to the people, who do you want to be released, Barabbas or Jesus? The people said Barabbas. So they were saying release into our lives, killing, stealing, and destroying. Many people were standing there not saying anything. If you were quiet and you didn't say anything, you gave consent for killing, stealing, and destroying So many people say, I never said crucify Jesus. But if you keep quiet, you said crucify Jesus. Jesus today is still on trial, whether you like it or not. People are still today accepting Jesus or rejecting Jesus. Make a decision to accept Jesus. Let me make it a bit more practical. They are married for two years. Yes, one of the biggest mistakes people make. They think the person that they're going to marry is perfect. Doesn't happen. (laughs) Did you figure that out by now? (laughs) He's perfect, I know, Liz. (laughs) Ivan's got strengths and he's got weaknesses. And Leslie has got strengths and she's got weaknesses. Usually what God will do is he'll put you in a relationship where the person is quite different than you so that their strengths can become your strengths and vice versa. But sometimes we focus so much on the weaknesses that irritate and frustrate us, that's oftentimes less than the person's strengths. Let me use myself as an example. My wife loves to send me messages, WhatsApp. I love you, I'm thinking of you. And I'm just so bad with SMS and Whatsapps. You know, I sometimes, after two hours or three hours, if she's lucky, I'll give her like a thumbs up and a heart. And maybe that little emoji, that, that little kissy, you know. <laughs> and that's a weakness. That's a weakness. I must maybe get better with that and I'm trying to, but I've got other strengths. Other things that I work at. But if you focus on that weakness the whole time, it can become irritable. Many people have divorced their spouse because of 20%. You maybe want somebody that comes in the morning with a cup of tea and a rose in their in mouth. And the, all, the, all that the guy is doing is just picking up the newspaper and sitting and reading it. And you want so much somebody that will come with a rose in their mouth that when you find somebody with a rose in their mouth, you leave your husband and you marry the one with the rose in the mouth. And it's that 10 or 20% that you didn't have that you now got, but the other 80% you don't have. And you realize, oh, I made a mistake. And Many people have done the same with friendships. You've rejected a friendship based on one small thing. But you also rejected all the strings in that person's life. Some people have done the same with churches. You want your pastor to do whatever, have communion every Sunday with you or greet you in a certain way. And you've left because of 10 or 20% that, that frustrated or irritated you say that's not right. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect friendship. There's no perfect marriage. It's two imperfect people just not giving up on each other. Amen? So sometimes you have to look past that 20% and rather focus on the 80% that the person is getting right. Amen? You know, when I got married, I said to her, you know what? We're not going to say this is me. Take it or leave it. We have to be prepared to change. Because you know what? I wanted to put her on my potter's wheel and shape her that she's exactly like me. Remember, Jesus is the potter. We are the clay. But sometimes we want to shape people to be like us. That's why many friendships don't work out. You want to change your friends to be like you. You want to change your wife or your husband to be like you. And then by the time you've changed them to be like you, then you don't like them and you say, why are you like this? Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. When it comes to relationships, especially We we have 27 cultures. Let's focus on the things we are getting right. Loving God, loving people. Amen? And love people more. And ask God to fill our hearts with his love until it overflows to others. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord. What are you thinking about people? What are you thinking about your spouse? Because God sees that as well. It's not only when you're singing a worship song, what are you thinking in your heart when you look at your spouse? And because of that small little thing, you're rejecting them. Remember, if you reject them based on a weakness, you're also rejecting all their strengths. And you need those strengths in your life. Amen? So say the two of them are having a challenge. They're fighting. They have a disagreement about the way how food should be made. Okay? What is going on in her heart if the Word of God is dominating her heart and the Word of God is dominating his heart? If there's a disagreement about something stupid, what is dominating their hearts will determine their behavior, the way they will act, the way they will respond. But when it's your own will dominating your heart, you'd want to enforce your own will your own way. But if it's the Word of God dominating your heart, you'd want to bring God's will onto the scene so most of the time when we have disagreements and we fight it's usually our own will and the devil wants you to fight because then you disconnect yourself from God and that's what the devil wants to do 2 Timothy 2 says a servant of the Lord should not quarrel and where you quarrel there is strife Proverbs teaches us that the root of strife is pride. Pride in her heart then and pride in his heart. If they want to fight. That's oftentimes when there's an underlying current of strife. Is because people have got pride in their hearts. What is that? I'm right and you're wrong. I'm better than you. You're not shaped and molded like me. But if you want to be like me, you can come to my to me and I'll put you on my potter's wheel and shape you that you can be like me. Very arrogant, eh? Very arrogant. But many of us are like that. Look here, what the enemy does. Immediately when there's strife, one is the Bible? what does Paul says? He says, pray for them that they will come to their senses. Because they have surrendered their will to do what the devil wants them to do. So when you want to fight, remember that strife is what the enemy wants to use to separate the two of them. Does it very simply. Causes strife and fighting. You wrong, I'm right. So now he wants to put her in a place. Immediately that strife puts pride in his heart. And it displaces Jesus. Remember, Jesus is attracted to the word of God here on the inside. Now all that he is speaking is his own words. And the devil takes hold of his mind to do his will. That's why a fight never gets better. That's it. So if there's fighting here and words here, he's 100% guilty, she's 100% guilty. Now the only thing is they have to get peace In his heart and peace in her heart. Now he has to kill his own flesh. Wants to be the head. Say, I'm sorry, my sweetheart. Please forgive me. It was wrong. She says, oh, no, no, no. I'm the one that was wrong. You, Please forgive me. And they say, I'm 100% guilty. I'm 100% guilty. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And there's peace again. Whatever is going through your heart will either attract Jesus or reject Jesus. Because you know if you're having a fight and you're starting to say ugly things, you're rejecting Jesus. So even in that situation that's coming his way, you can make a decision to accept Jesus or reject Jesus. To say, I'm going to do it the Jesus way or I'm going to reject it. So even when you're having a fight, and let me just tell you, I'm a pastor. My wife is the person that's the closest to me that loves me the most. But because she's so close to me, you drop your walls. You don't have your walls up. So the person that's probably offended you the most is your spouse. Because we have so many expectations of how they should be. You should love me like this. In the morning, greet me like this. Give me a kiss like this. Give me a hug like this. Give the coffee like this. But when I realized... That I don't have to change her. When I change, she changes automatically. God will work with your spouse. God will work with your business partner. But let God first work with you. Amen? The one thing the devil will do, let me say a simple thing. Maybe she wants him to comb his hair flat. But maybe in the morning when he wakes up, his hair just stands like that. You know, we don't know. But now she can come to him and say, Why is your hair like this again? Haven't I asked you not to do this? Come on now, man. Can't you? And she starts murmuring and complaining. That's what the devil wants. That's what the devil wants. If the devil can get you to murmur and to complain, you'll fill your heart with ungratefulness. You'll start to look and say, you know, you never get it right. Why is it always like that? And you start to complain and that thing causes a wedge between the two of you. It's very important. I'm giving you some free advice. In relationships, if you are married, to always support each other, to encourage each other. Amen? Even when it comes to, I heard a testimony of somebody that, that um, got a, a job. And they, in, in, in the first two years, they got something like three or four promotions and the wife was so excited and saying you're doing so well you're so great you're so wonderful and then for the next 4 years it was standing a bit still and she started murmuring and complaining because she had an expectation he should have been much further and it was that very thing that separated them and caused the divorce is that the reason to divorce that's the trap of the enemy so check your heart if you're always murmuring and complaining why do you look like that why do you talk like that why do you... be very careful it's a trap of the enemy because you're filling your heart with those things. Amen? Take people off your clay wheel. Let God be the potter. You be the clay. Amen? Who have you thought it was your assignment to change everybody in this world? You cannot change everybody. Amen? We reject Jesus through our thoughts and what's going on in our hearts. Make a decision to say, God, you are in control of my life. If you're battling with a certain thing, go get a scripture and meditate upon it. Meditate upon it. Meditation brings revelation. When you have revelation, you'll act completely different. You'll talk completely different. You'll behave completely different. But you need that revelation. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. The devil the whole time is looking to see how he can take advantage of you. So if if she starts complaining or he starts murmuring, you're actually giving the devil an opportunity. And he is going to take advantage of that situation. That's why you have to be very, very careful. What you say, what you declare, amen. Some people come and say, the person that I'm married to, you don't know, Pastor, this person is like the devil. If the person is behaving like the devil, why are you complaining? Because you're confessing it over the person. If you want the person to start to behave like Jesus, confess Jesus' things over the person. Start to believe Jesus' things about the person. Amen? Go to Hebrews 4 verse 11. Nothing good will happen without the discipline of your heart. If you want to finish strong, finish happy, discipline your heart. See what's going on in your heart. Hebrews 4 verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. The only proof of your faith is your obedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. you know who knows what's going on in your heart? The word of God. You think you are busy reading the Bible. The Bible is busy reading you. You think you're busy reading the Bible. The Bible is busy reading you, discerning the intent and the thoughts of your heart. You read in the Bible, forgive your brother. Your heart will say, I'm rejecting it. Or I'm accepting it. Read the Bible, go make right with your brother. No, not that one. He deserves to go to hell. Keep him. Are you not rejecting the word of God when you say that? If you reject the word of God, you cannot decide when I accept and when I reject. When the Bible says, I'm going to bless you, you say, Amen. But when it says, forgive your brother, you say, No. You make him Lord of all. Amen. If you want the blessings, it starts with a pure heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, to whom we must give account. God sees your heart. You cannot hide anything from Him. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to your confession, but make sure what you are confessing that it has your heart's full agreement because you can confess it, but if you don't believe it with your heart, faith cannot be released. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are yet without sin. So what you are going through is not, not so unique. Jesus went through it himself. The only difference is sometimes when we are tempted, we sin. But Jesus never sinned. Amen? Have you been tempted and you sinned? We know. That's why God came to help us, so that there can be hope. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Family, listen to me. When you worry about a situation, it destroys your sense of reasoning, making decisions, even your ability to pray. Because fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. People worry about the future. They worry about tomorrow. That's what the Bible teaches us. They are concerned about tomorrow. Are you concerned about tomorrow? Are you concerned about tomorrow? So here's the key. People worry about tomorrow. Who holds tomorrow in their hands? Jesus. What did Moses say? Moses says, Lord, I'm not going into this promised land unless your presence has gone before us. So whatever you're going to face tomorrow, God is waiting there for you. The devil knows about your past, and he will remind you of your past. But God never determines your future by what happened in your past, because he's a tomorrow thinker. But Jesus is in your tomorrow. So if you know Jesus is waiting for you tomorrow, and he says, my mercies are new every day. It means tomorrow, whatever you're going to face, his mercies are new every day. He's going to be with you. He says, because David, Psalm 91, has set his love upon me, I will deliver him. Here's the key, return back to God. Fall in love with God once again. Set your love upon God. Why? Because faith works through love. Faith works through love. So what you are worrying about tomorrow, Jesus is waiting for you there. If the word of God dominates your heart. The word of God dominates your heart. Whatever gets thrown at you, what's in your heart will come out. So if the word of God is dominating your heart, the enemy will say, there is no hope. There is no future. The Lord will say, I know the thoughts I have towards you to give you a future and a hope. What is the response in your heart? Family, listen to me. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourself. Look at your heart. Test your heart to see whether you are in faith. How do you know if somebody is in faith? It's very easy. Like faith has a confession. Doubt has a confession. We're never going to make it. Things are never going to change. Well, everything... You hear that confession. Faith's confession is, we're going to make it. We're going over. God will make a way. His light will shine upon our ways. Amen? If you want things to change, you're going to have to take an active decision. Remember, this is the year of decision. Make a decision to allow the Word of God to dominate your heart. Those areas where you've been doubting and worrying speaking negative the whole time, go find scripture. No, don't just read it. Meditate upon it so that that meditation can bring revelation. If I have to tell you the challenges that we faced on this building project, from a natural point of view, I should run away. There were times that it felt like those walls were going to fall on me, and I would just run to God. God. I cannot tell you how many times I've prayed the prayer, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But you know what gives me peace in my heart to go on? Because the Bible says, if the Lord does not build the house, we labor in vain. Say, Lord, I know that you are building this house. And when God has given you a promise and you know that it is true, If God says it in His Word and He has declared it in His Word and you have revelation about that and you believe it with all your heart, what God has said in His Word, you can now say it. So I can say the Lord is building that house. I'm just walking with the Lord, planning with the Lord, acting with the Lord. If you believe that the Lord has given you that spouse, then act it. Don't change your confession. Mm, I wonder now, God told me this is my wife. Oh, yes, then I miss God. It's now too late. Now you have to make it work. Amen? If you believe that God gave you that job, and now everybody is against you, say, Lord, you gave me this job. Bring me out of it. Amen? He said, instead of shame, I'm going to give you double honor. Lord, turn the shame into double honor and hold on to your confession. Some of you are worrying about your children. Give them to God. Give them to God. Amen? Situations that they are facing, you think, oh my God, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been teaching them. What's going on? Train them in the ways of the Lord. And when they get older, they will not depart. Very quiet now. The key in a happy marriage is not to fight each other, but to fight and to take hold of your heart. Say, this is the woman that God has given me. I'm going to love her. I'm not going to focus upon the 20% weaknesses. I'm going to focus on the 80% that is right. And you take hold of your heart. Because if you can take hold of your heart, That's the fight that you have to fight. My heart, listen to me. Hear the voice of God in this situation. And let your confession align with the word of God. And not what you are feeling. Because sometimes she can make him angry. Believe it or not, I know it. And sometimes he can make her angry. But it's at that time where he has to crucify the flesh. Say, I no longer live. But Jesus Christ lives through me. The Holy Spirit And that Holy Spirit is a gift with a lift, even when you are angry. We're able to, my sweetheart. I can understand how you are feeling, understand why you're responding like that, you know. But I'm here to be with you, to support you, and to help you. But if he doesn't put the flesh under, woman, why now again this? Have I told you once? I've told you a thousand times. Do you want to now be an agent of Satan and tempt me now again to get angry? (laughs) I know some of you have said worse than that, so don't. (laughs) Hey? (laughs) No, but if he crucifies the flesh and the spirit comes out, that good treasure that's in here, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, now he can respond in the right way. Amen? If you're going through marital problems, make the right confessions. Don't try and change her. Don't try and change him. You change. Amen? Zechariah, the second last book in the Old Testament. Go there. Verse 9. Satan just wants to cut off your dependence upon God. That's what he wants to do. He does not want you to depend upon God. It wants you to depend on your own strength, your own ability. And it's then when we make wrong decisions. Listen here. Zechariah 9 verse 12. Return to the stronghold. I want to say get back to the stronghold of God's word and allow God's word to dominate your heart. You prisoners of hope. Are you hoping for better things? Don't stop. Keep your trust, your hope in God. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. That's what God wants to do in your life. Where the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, God wants to restore double back into your life. The key is, give Jesus Christ the rightful place in your heart. The challenges that we are facing, the confusion, is because we've not given Jesus the rightful place In our hearts. When you allow the Word of God to dominate your heart, I mean, when you allow the Word of God to become an integral part of your life, by its very nature, it will change you. And when it changes you, you will find yourself acting with God, walking with God. When you allow the Word of God to become an integral part and to dominate your heart, you'll see failure will become success. You'll see sickness will become healing. You'll see stagnation. Suddenly, there will be a promotion. But let the Word of God change you. Change your confession. And allow your confession to line up with the Word of God. That's prayer. Prayer is simply agreeing with God's Word. And when you know what God's Word says after you've read it, you've allowed it to become part of your heart by meditation, you're just agreeing with the Word of God. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I'm going over I'm not going under. Cela. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.